It is time to go deeper in God's Word. It's time to engage in truth. Here is Dr. Steve Ford and Pastor John Bornsheen. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornsheen. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs, and I'm thrilled that you're tuning in again today. Now, we have a very serious subject here on Engage in Truth. Over the last couple weeks, we've been talking about a culture of sexual sin, that it's all around us, and we have really become very desensitized to it all, and it's all very offensive to God. Well, here on Engage in Truth, we have to address these issues and really take it all back to God's holy word. How are we as Christians to to understand and to navigate these very precarious times in which we live, to be the salt and light, to give the truth to stand on truth and not to compromise, especially in these vital issues. I mean, really, anything that is deemed sin in Scripture should be treated with utmost importance, that we not give way to those things. In 1 Corinthians 15, we read about that, to stop sinning, to not give into a lifestyle of sin, not to justify it, not to dabble in it or even walk on the line of it. We are to flee from these things, turn from these lifestyles. That's what repentance is all about, after all, fleeing from the things Things that are deemed as sin, uh, commanded by God to flee from and to purge from our lives, we need to take all that quite seriously. So today, in this particular program, we're continuing in this vein of thought, and we're going to address pornography here specifically and its impact on society. Because over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about just sexual sin, not just in generalities, but also really addressing the the subject matter of homosexuality. And, and all of the variables of sexual sin that we've allowed even in the church. And we talk about how we've seen divorce rates and so forth within the church. So this whole thematic thread of sexual sin really comes back to pornography. There's no way to escape that. It is a plague in our society. In fact, let me kick off with some details here, and then I'm going to introduce Dr. Ford to speak to this matter a little bit more, who's here in the studio with me. I'm always Grateful to have him here. But pornography is a big business. We know that. In fact, pornography is hugely lucrative. I mean, it is a massive industry. One organization estimates that $97 billion in worldwide revenue is generated annually from pornographic materials, adding that people are spending something like $3,075 on porn every single second. And that comes from Pornography Statistics. It's a family-safe media organization. I know those numbers continue to escalate because we are seeing that people are plugged in to electronic devices and the enemy is relentless. Enemy Satan is relentless in this. He wants our, our children's minds polluted. He wants marriages to be wrecked. He wants men and women to think differently about each other and to be polluted in how they engage in relationships with one another. He loves to crush that which God has established. Now, prior to the rise of internet surfing, either at home or on mobile devices, getting pornography usually involved a trip to some not-so-nice part of town, entering some seedy adult store. But nowadays, pornography is literally just a click away. And whether it be on a computer or a smartphone, tablet, anything, the enemy just keeps feeding relentlessly this message. And it can be from uh, graphic ads 
Uh, we can see it even at, at, at grocery stores and people in very suggestive ways, even on magazine covers. I know there's still magazines out there, believe right. it or not. Uh, so it's all around us, and it is used to objectify individuals for an outcome. And that's what Satan does. He doesn't care about names, doesn't care about people at all. He just uses people, and they're all objects to him. And dare we not go the same route? It's not just a male problem. And we need to get that up front right away here. This is not, we're not just talking to an audience of males here. It is, it is industry-wide. It is now male-female problem alike. And so one study shows that 34% of readers of a Christian magazine even for women admitted to using the internet to access porn. So this is a magazine for Christian women in which they do a survey to their readers and 34% of the respondents said that they were also engaged in using some pornographic material. Okay, and that was years ago that that study was done. I would suspect that study's even higher today after vulgar films started coming out and, and making it like, oh, that's for women. And I don't even want to say the names of these books and the movies that came, but we know the effect that that had as if that's okay. And the statistics for men, of course, are much higher, as we'd expect in that, especially in certain age groups. As many as 70% of men between the ages of 18 and 34 view pornography on the Internet once a month, according to Christianity Today. So again, this is a Christian study saying that 70% of men were still vulnerable to this form of entertainment. And I use that term loosely. Because when we talk about pornography, even a gentleman came to me today and he said, you know, when I was studying on this, I found that there were effects on the brain that you see the scan side by side of those who use heroin, that pornography had the same effect on individuals. And once you give it a room in your life at all, it escalates and you need more of it. And it's more vulgar, more demoralizing to individuals and to yourself. And so you just, it leads to a path of destruction, ultimately. So pornography is always harmful and forbidden. And we could ask that, is that a question? Is that a fact? I would say it's a fact, because we go to scripture on that, and we're going to see that here in a moment. And some might even say, well, can't some people view it without serious consequences? I mean, can't we just say it's, it's, a, it's a person's right they, they can do that. It's not affecting anybody else, and that couldn't be further from the truth. It's, it's not possible even to have a healthy marriage if pornography is part of the equation. And I've even heard Christian couples say that they use it to spice up their marriage, not realizing how destructive it is in creating an unhealthy and unstable relationship that affects their children and even their grandchildren who aren't even born yet how it has a cascading effect. And that's what Satan does so cleverly. I mean, imagine here, he is the master deceiver. He was able to convince a third of the angels who are in the presence of God, seeing his glory made manifest before their very eyes, and he was able to convince them that there was something better. He is a master deceiver, and you dare not give him a foothold in any area of your life. Now, some believers just don't see the problem of it, and they argue instead that Christians should fight their battles and leave them out of the equation, right? That this is, there's more important things to deal with. Don't worry about me. I can handle this. And again, that's like an addict who would say the same thing. Those who are addicted to alcohol or drugs in any way, just let me deal. I've got it, master. Don't worry about it. I've got a handle on this. You're worrying about something you shouldn't be worrying about. We hear all those excuses and it couldn't be further from the truth. This is a serious 
epidemic. It is a problem in our society. It has spread it. It's all around the world. It's not just here in these United States. So we need to talk about this from a biblical worldview. But before we do, Dr. Ford, would you be willing just to help us define, so we're not running on some nebulous ideas out there, <laughs> what is pornography? Would you define that for us? Yeah, thank you, John. So I think, you know, one definition that many of us recognize was by Potter Stewart. Potter Stewart was a Supreme Court justice and once said, pornography may not be easy to, to define, but we know it when we see it. Mm. So a typical dictionary definition often considers pornography to be anything written or visual that is sexually explicit, licentious, meaning that it promotes promiscuity and lacks sexual principles, sort of what we would expect the definition to include. Mm -hmm. Its intent is to sexually stimulate the person reading or viewing it. So in most cases, it's created as a means of exploitation, though, in order to make money. It taps into the capacity of the mind to stimulate the imagination, but not in ways that are beautiful and beneficial the way God intended. Mm -hmm. This is not to say that all imagination is bad. We know that. But dwelling on sinful behavior, acts, or ideas is certainly not in line with what God would have us think about. And we see that in Philippians 4.8. Well, one Christian source that offers a definition of pornography, and this is from the New Dictionary of Christian Ethics and Pastoral Theology, it reads, It's not the degree of sexual explicitness which defines pornography, since much great art presents sexuality and explicitness, yet without debasing it, nor is it simply the intent to generate sexual response. Its definition is, in fact, a shifting one. Since pornography generates a response through its pairing of sexual themes with other arousal mechanisms, most notably aggressive or dehumanizing themes, and through the breakdown of long-established taboos. So the general definition is pretty broad and can include things like online chat rooms where individuals go a specific purpose of discussing sex. These can be described as pornographic, as can sports magazines that feature women in swimsuits. Mm. So as you had alluded to, Pastor John Pryor, what is the Bible? How does the Bible shed light on this subject of pornography? <laughs> That's really all that matters, right? That's right. I the mean, truth. anything that when the Lord at the Sermon on the Mount addressed this, he, he took it right back to the thoughts of man. This is where the root of sin actually was. That's While right. he may not have acted on it in the flesh outwardly, he knew what was going on inwardly. And, and this is the problem because it affects everything in our lives. If our mind is corrupted and thinking fleshly thoughts and is not changed as only the Holy Spirit can do, we see that quite clearly in, in Romans as we talk about the transformed washing and renewing of that mind. Uh, but we'll be surprised, I think, uh, perhaps those who are listening right now might be surprised to learn the Bible has many passages related to the issue of pornography, including uh, such topics that we would expect to find in the Bible of lust or uh, twisted sexual gratification, debauchery, amongst many others. Now, one particular text is found in Matthew fifteen nineteen to 20, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. So right there to the thoughts, the evil thoughts, adultery, fornication, sexual immorality. I mean, these things that really is what pornography is all about, quite frankly. So the, the word translated as fornications is this the Greek word that we lean on to, to further define this is pornea, uh, and it, it really is uh, it's a source for the English word, as you could just see right there, for pornography. So the Bible is so often the source. We take this Greek word, we see the English version of it, 
And the Greek word encompasses a variety of sexually immoral acts, such as fornication, marital unfaithfulness, prostitution, adultery, just to name a few. So the generic term for sexual sin of any kind is captured in this word, pornia. He says here in Romans 13, 13 to 14, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, nor in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. The expositor's Bible commentary says this about that particular passage. It says, the Christian is to live as though that final day had actually arrived, bringing with it the personal presence of Christ. There should be no place then for the conduct that characterizes unsaved people. Now, we're to flee from these things. Romans 6, 12 to 14 then reads, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Now, most sin involves some form of coveting. I mean, we we want what is not ours and pornography would certainly fit within that parameter and definition. So the Bible also contains many verses that warn against prostitution, and pornography may not legally be some kind of definition as prostitution, but in the same sense, it is. I mean, in one case, there's just simply a camera present. That's it. And so we, as a culture, seem to say, well, that justifies that, whereas the other doesn't. So just because a camera is present makes it one way legal versus not? I mean, that's all that this is. I mean, it is a form of prostitution and lewdness. And so the the person who's viewing it is in some way paid for it. They're going to pay for it spiritually, mentally, or maybe there is even a monetary exchange to view these things. That is prostitution. Proverbs 23, 26 to 28 says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. For a harlot is a deep pit and a seductress is a narrow well. She also lies in wait as for a victim and increases the unfaithful among men. In 1 Corinthians 6, 15 to 16, we read, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. See, God's plan for marriage is for one man and one woman to come together and become one flesh. But if one or both members of the body are in unity with pornography, then the concept of one flesh is corrupted because many other people via pornography, are now involved in that relationship. That's really, you have to see it that way. Your mind is now uh, like divided. It is is thinking of one person and perhaps the other person becomes an outlet of those visual thought processes and the lust that is burning in their heart. It's not a healthy relationship. In fact, it's the complete opposite of that. So as he talks about innocence, Job says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? 
He's made a covenant before God. Jesus said much about the same thing to his listeners that underscore that even looking at something can be harmful. In fact, one study of the Bible remarks about pornography in this way. It comes from the ESV Study Bible. It says, looking at pornography is a direct violation of Jesus' commandment against gazing at a woman with lustful intent. From Matthew 5, 28 and Job 31, 1. Pornography attracts a man's affections and desires away from his marriage and away from his wife. It inevitably brings moral uncleanness in the heart, long-lasting harmful memories, and destructive consequences to one's marriage relationship. The same is true for the future marriage of those who are single. It ultimately leads in many cases to other sins, such as prostitution, rape, and other kinds of violence against women because it dehumanizes them and fails to recognize and respect them as persons made in God's image and valuable in his sight. So Dr. Ford, could you talk to us a little bit about, I know time is going to get away, but it's important, I think, to understand the virtue ethics of all of this. So help us understand that a little bit more. Yeah, I think so as well. That ESV quote just nailed it. It does. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that that's was the really whole fantastic. message right there. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it, you know, it's, so God created this beautiful thing. And like you said, Satan distorts, our sin natures distort, but God created this beautiful thing of attraction between male and female. You know, it starts as our we, we grow older and our, and our hormones increase and our ability to procreate is there and our desire for the opposite sex is there, all according to God's plan to bless us and to be fruitful and multiply exactly what he created us to do and to take mastery over the earth. And yet all these things that you know, you've listed so far are distortions of that and how we've gone an entirely different direction and sinned against God. And then now you've listed so many great consequences that we suffer individually and as a society and within our marriages because of that. Yeah. So I think at this point it is, it's really important that we discuss, let's look at this from an ethical standpoint. So if we want to address the issue of pornography from an ethical standpoint, we have brilliant thinkers such as Augustine, Aquinas, C.S. Lewis. They've all made a strong case for what is called virtue ethics. Virtue ethics is concerned with the cultivation of virtue and moral character. Now, Jesus knew that building moral character virtue was about far more than a list of do's and don'ts. We see that in Matthew 5, 27 to 28. Sin can involve not just the actual act of doing something like we've been talking about, but also simply looking and thinking about sin. A lot of the problem goes back to lust. We can lust after a number of different things, but sexual lust is, is so strong. And as, as we're going to talk about the addictive nature of it, we need to remember that God is not against sexual desire for the reason that we just mentioned. He wants to bless us with this. It's, it's how we desire each other for the propagation of humanity, which is wonderful. But we need to remember that so long as that desire is within the parameters he has established, it will be blessed. Otherwise, we're going to suffer from our sinful choices. It needs to be within the confines of marriage between one man and one woman. But our fallen nature has caused us to warp and twist what can be good and beneficial in the marriage relationship and turn it into something harmful, as we've discussed. In short, we're in rebellion, turning away from God's plan for us and doing our own thing. Mm -hmm. The root of pornography is lust. It's misplaced sexual desire. It's desire that has taken off in the wrong direction. So, right. Pastor John, what, what tools has God given us to overcome this, this powerful lust of the flesh that we've been talking about. Yeah, I think the, the key to all of this, Dr. Ford, is uh, try to run through this fairly quickly, is that number one, we have to face the problem. 
that denial doesn't help and neither do excuses. And we become masters of those as we try to justify our sin. So those struggling with lust and pornography must admit that they have a problem that's affecting everything and everyone around them. If they just think of it as just a hidden sin, they're never going to fully understand the ramifications of this. Here's a a great quote from Ario White. He says, psychologically, the overstimulation of imagination by sexual images renders the whole personality oversexed by disproportionately concentrating thought and desire, often to the point of pornographic addiction. It coarsens feelings and attitudes toward the other sex as tools for sexual indulgences unrefined by affection, tenderness, or even respect. All these things get diluted. It inverts the sexual drive into sterile, self-absorbed physical pleasure alone and becomes overstimulation, bringing diminished effects. It ultimately leads to mental indulgences to either even more coarse or sadistic perversions, i.e. hardcore pornography. It's exactly what we talked about, that the more you give into this and you don't nip it now and stop this and flee from it, you will want and consume even more horrible things. So watching pornography is ultimately cheating and is a serious offense before the holiness of God. Man. Number two, you, you've got to wrestle with your heart as well as your behavior. Lust will not be changed without a willingness for the discipline that the word of God brings. You have to have accountability all around you. Then you have to learn how to truly love. Pornography turns people into objects for self-gratification. When you look through the eyes of our Lord, you will see people who are formed in the image of God. You will start to see the beauty in people rather than just simply the out that you're just craving for that out. It's almost like craving for the next high, right? So uh, when you when you look at all of this in, in a proper lens, Dr. Ford, I think we have to just understand rightly that pornography is an addiction and it fosters addictive behaviors. We can't minimize it. We can't just placate it. We're not going to be able to sweep this under the rug. It requires repentance. It requires the effort for reconciliation. If you're in a marriage relationship and you've been secretly viewing pornography behind somebody else's back, i.e. your spouse, your children, this has to be addressed from a standpoint of you have to acknowledge, I have been sinning against God. And I've been sinning against my my commitments to the people of God and all of those around me. My eyes belong to my Lord. My mind belongs to my Lord. My vessel is his to do his goodwill and pleasure. And when I have given to the things of Satan, the bait of Satan, it has taken a hold of me and I need to confess that, repent of it and turn from it. And then you need that kind of accountability all around you. So repentance is key. You have to establish discipline, discipleship around those, uh, with those around you. You need this. Men, we need to have iron sharpening iron. We have to have accountability, regular times of prayer, Bible study, fellowship with believers. You have to detoxify the mind and put what is right and healthy and wholesome into those chambers of your mind, i.e. into your heart. You have to become accountable. So you have to answer to somebody else for your behavior. So you start a relationship with at least one believer who knows about your addiction, this use of pornography, and then you have this person ask you on a weekly basis whether you have repeated this behavior and how well you have resisted the temptations to repeat it. Remember, sexual sin thrives in the dark. 
a large part of recovery from it lies in your willingness to keep your private behavior in the light. Bring it to the light. And we've seen that pornography involves all sorts of sensible behaviors. It includes lust and and a warped view of human beings and distorts the image of God that God has put into every person. So if it's, listen, it is God's desire that you have a healthy relationship. Pornography can seriously hinder that definition. You will not have healthy relationships if you've allowed that into your life. Lust and other vices contribute to pornography and are not in line with the virtues God has for you to develop our lives, to be sanctified in the image of Christ. And we must not neglect the roles that repentance, discipleship, and accountability play when we're trying to overcome these things. We have got to be found faithful before the Lord. You only have one life to give. And if today is your last day, what does that dash between those numbers on the tombstone look like for you? Are, are you polluting and distorting, taking the gifts God has given to you and robbing him of your allegiance to him and your life and service to him and then robbing others of the joy of a healthy relationship. That's what pornography does. It's robbing you of spiritual blessings, eternal treasures, your walk with God, your relationships on earth. Do not underestimate the damage that pornography can do. I don't think we can stress that enough, Dr. Ford. We're out of time today. And this has, again, been part of a thematic thread here on Engage in Truth. If you want to listen to this broadcast or others in this series, go to calvaryfountain.com and you'll find this broadcast and many others there. Get the message out there. Help somebody who's going through this. Be willing to stand with somebody who's going through this and be the accountability partner perhaps they need. And it should be a man with a man, a woman with a woman. Let me add that little caveat. If you need some guidance in this matter, reach reach out to us at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. Again, the website is calvaryfountain.com. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays, and we'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.